Recovery Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Miller. I'm a stroke survivor and grateful recovering alcoholic. And today I want to talk about, because I'm an alcoholic, why did I drink? I could have given you 20 million answers back when I was drinking, but I know now that I drank the way that I drank because I'm an alcoholic. And I want to talk about that today, what that felt like, and what are some of the uh, impacts to our body, and what it's doing when we don't even know what it's doing, and what happened to me. Um, in my in my alcoholic uh, history, I basically showed up drank until the alcohol was gone and then I was gone or passed out if I couldn't if I couldn't leave um uh there was a period of time that I was a wine taster for the traveling vineyard and um so it's a company anybody can do it you just sign on it's one of those like direct sales type things and um you pay a certain amount of money and then they will send you like five bottles of wine and you schedule wine tastings with people. And so the people who schedule the wine tastings pay a certain amount of money for the wine that they purchase for their party. And then everybody, you know, like I guide people through the tasting because I'm the expert and then they have the ability to purchase wine. Well, I thought this was an awesome opportunity for me to go places and drink wine, you know? Well, um, it turns out that I was drinking my customers' wine at the party, you know? Like, after I was done passing around the wine and explaining it to people. I was actually, you know, getting loaded while I was filling out um, orders. So uh, that's not how it was supposed to work, but it was the, it was a good job. Um, I didn't make any money. I just got to drink. And um, I had these you know, that's just an example of these wild ideas that I had. Uh, my brother at some point told me I, I was like the part-time job queen. And I was constantly trying to come up with ways to make money. And uh, he eventually said, if you've got so much time on your hands, because I was working for him. He was my boss at the time. Um, if you have got so much time on your hands, you should be working for me, not figuring out uh, new part-time jobs. But they were ridiculous. Like, the perfect example of a ridiculous part-time job that I was coming up with as an alcoholic was that when kids, I was working at home at the time, and so when kids would get off the bus or before school, I was going to run a daycare in my house as an alcoholic you know this is when I was drinking like during the day of course I didn't plan to drink while the kids were there but it was already out of control I couldn't even see 
the issues that were correlated with this idea. All of these dreams that I had, they, that's all they were. They were dreams. They weren't goals. They were dreams that were just not logical. They were completely unreasonable. And there was no, um, you know, steps to achieving these these goals. I, I just, I couldn't comprehend the meaning of work. I simply wanted to come up with ways that I could make money and still drink. Um, and they were all, I would get to the point where I'm ordering or designing pamphlets or a website. That was my big thing. I could design the website. And then when it was time to actually start the business up and do all the legal stuff, I just, it, you know, I just didn't move any further because that took work. So I've often thought, I don't so much now, but back in the beginning, why did alcoholism happen to me? There's three of us as siblings. Why am I the one who is the alcoholic? Why do I get to be the one who's the alcoholic? Why do I get to be the one who has the stroke? And I tried to make excuses for myself why I was an alcoholic. I was an alcoholic because I was unhappy in my marriage. I was an alcoholic because I had a crappy job. I was an alcoholic because um, you just don't know what it's like to be me. You know, I've got anxiety issues. I'm depressed. My medication's not working. I need to go to therapy. All of these reasons why, uh, why I drank. And um, I didn't drink for any of those reasons. It felt like I was drinking because of these things, because I was trying to make life better. But I was drinking because I'm an alcoholic. And the reasons why I thought I was drinking just got worse because of the drinking. It was a perpetual cycle. Uh, the anxiety I felt like caused me to drink, but yet the drinking was making the anxiety worse. Um, and honestly, the feelings that I had that felt like anxiety, I think in retrospect, weren't anxiety at all. They were withdrawal. Um, I drank because I liked what alcohol did to me. I liked how it made my worries go away. It, but what it did also in turn is make all of my responsibilities go away as well. Um, at least I couldn't see them anymore. And I don't know that after I left college, I don't know that I recall at least anyone suggesting that I may drink too much or that I was an alcoholic. In college, uh, my sorority mentioned to me actually they didn't mention it to me they mentioned it to my friends that i might be an alcoholic and they and my friends told me and i was so offended i, I you know 
like they were calling me names. Like, you know, um, it, it was so bizarre, the my mindset, like the way that I would just shift what somebody said about me as if they were uh, being offensive, you know, like they're better than me because I uh, have a drinking problem. I don't know. It just, it didn't make any sense. And I think that if I were to go up to somebody else and say that they're an alcoholic, that is never received very well. You know, I mean, there are different phases in the life of an alcoholic. And depending on the phase that one is going through, you will either be completely yelled at by the alcoholic, like, how dare you say that to me? Uh, you may get a response like, I know that I'm drinking too much. I'm trying to slow down. You know, it depends on what is what phase they're in, in their alcoholism. But I do believe that no matter what the reaction of the alcoholic, I think that it's important that if you suspect that somebody might be an alcoholic or is drinking too much, that we say that out loud to the person because it's more important to have that, you know, it's, it's better to be wrong and say it than to be right and not say it. And, um, and possibly lose a life from it, you know. Um, one may not completely stop drinking just because you said something to them. But I assure you, when you say something to an alcoholic that they may be drinking too much or that you're worried about them, it plants a seed. And for me, I needed so many seeds in my garden before anything would bloom. For years, I had to go to sobriety meetings. I had to go to therapy. I had to have later when it was obvious that things were wrong, uh, that something was amiss with my drinking. You know, I had... Uh, people that said things to me, like that they were worried about me. I remember my brother telling me that, um, that I was going to die if I kept drinking like that. And I just, you know, it, it doesn't seem real. And I remember when I went to a sobriety meeting a few years ago, and there was a woman that shared because she just kept relapsing and after the meeting I, I thanked her for sharing because it reminded me why I need to not drink today. And she said that her family told her that she's going to die if she kept drinking like that. And I thought, that's what my brother said to me. But she did die. She died a few days later after she said that to me. And some people get there and some people don't here. Some people get here to where I am and some people don't. Um, but whenever we have that 
inclination that somebody might need help or that somebody might be drinking too much, it's important to say something. See something, say something, they say. <laughs> so I wanted to talk a little bit about what I have learned about alcoholism as a disease. Um, I have had people in my life who don't believe that alcoholism is a disease, that it is a matter of willpower. I have to say that when I first stopped drinking, I also believed that it was a matter of willpower. It wasn't until I got professional help that I went to a detox program, I went to Inova Cats treatment facility, and that I saw an addiction therapist, and that I read literature, and that I read my favorite book called, called Under the Influence, A Guide to the Myths and Realities of Alcoholism, that I truly understood and was ready to accept that alcoholism is a disease. So I wanted to talk a little bit about my experience with the disease itself, not the, the, what the crazy screwed up things it made me do, but, but what it does to our bodies as an alcoholic. So alcoholism is a, is considered a brain disorder. Alcohol is a neurotoxin and it alters, disrupts, and kills neurons. And although that feeling of temporal, temporary improved mood um, happens, and that's mostly why we drank, um, at least that's why I drank, because I liked what it did to me, it's actually a depressant. And we hear that a lot, that alcohol is a depressant, but it didn't register with me that although I was feeling happy when I would drink and go out to bars and I didn't even need to go out to a bar. When I came home from work and I would have a drink or 12, um, that I felt better, you know, I felt better. I felt numb. I felt serene. Um, you know, that is what I thought serenity felt like. I thought serenity lived in a bottle. Um, but that mind altering, it's a mind altering drug. So when we drink it, uh, for me, it shifted my reality. And there are people that drink so much, heavy alcohol consumption, it can lead to hallucinations even. So that, that sense of losing touch with the reality can, can actually go to the extreme and uh, people experience hallucinations. I personally did not experience hallucinations, but I have encountered many people over the seven years that I've been sober that have experienced hallucinations. I simply drank because it made me feel good. And the longer 
that I continued to experience that, the more intensely I was chasing that high. So heavy drinkers are more likely to experience a release of endorphins that lead to stronger feelings of intoxication. So what I would tell people um, later, when I started really learning that I was an alcoholic, but I was not admitting to it, I was kind of joking about it, um, I would say, well, uh, drinking alcohol feel, feels better to me than it feels to other people, you know? Uh, I also, when somebody sometimes now will ask me, uh, do you want a glass of wine or something like that? Uh, or if we get into the conversation about, oh, you don't drink, my response is, yes, I liked it too much. Um, it felt too good to me. Um, and it's true. It's actually really true. Um, so although alcoholics and non-alcoholics both tend to start drinking due to psychological, social, or cultural factors, alcoholics at some point uh, start kind of going down another path. That reason for drinking starts to diverge away from that reason that non-alcoholics drink. We start using alcohol to solve problems or to ignore problems. In my case, uh, we start hiding the amount that we drink because we're starting to realize that it's an embarrassing amount that we're drinking. Some people get violent. I never got violent, but I do remember having a short temper every now and then. Um, one example I have from that, and I can't help but laugh at it, even though it's terrible. Uh, one night, I remember sitting in front of the TV and American Idol was on, and this was like, the first or second year of American Idol. I was an avid American Idol watcher. And it was the one thing, the one thing that I did for myself all week was to sit down for that hour. It ended up starting to be in two hours because they kept making it longer and longer and watch these people sing. I just loved it. I loved it. More so when they start getting on stage than in the beginning when they're awful singers and they are laughing about it. But I remember my husband at the time and the kids walked into the room and they were all asking me about something. I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was dinner or I don't know. Something had to be taken care of, but it's something that could wait. And I just turned around and exploded on all of them. I'm like, this is the one thing that I get for myself. And if I had not been drinking, and if I had not had that, that just utter dependency and craving for alcohol, I would not have exploded on them. I'm sure of that. Um, I'm sure that my passion for American Idol was driven by the alcohol that I was drinking because that was the day that I would get to sit down and 
drink as much as I wanted to and not have to take care of anything in the house. You know, that was like my day. Um, but it revolved around drinking. Everything I did revolved around drinking. And so eventually, uh, at least in my case as well, alcohol can begin to start uh, causing depression. And I think I already had depression my whole life. And I think I was treating it with alcohol. And what I think started growing uh, from my alcohol use was the addition of anxiety to that depression. So it became like a, a twofold issue where it just kept growing and I kept needing to drink more to subside it. So there is an abnormal psychological reaction that occurs in an alcoholic. And the alcoholic is powerless to control this psychological reaction. And the, the, the psychological effect, and I, I keep trying to figure out how to articulate this, but it builds a wall between the disease itself and the patient knowing that they have the disease. This is why I think it is just so incredibly difficult to get an alcoholic help because you can't convince an alcoholic that they're an alcoholic. They have to be ready to stop drinking themselves, to seek help themselves. So that disturbing phase is... <clears throat> is that part where they, the alcoholism is so strong that it has now blocked the ability for the alcoholic to even understand that they have the disease. It's just, it's just fascinating to me. And the more that I would drink, the, I gained the ability to drink more and more with decreased effects. And today, you know, in college, we call it tolerance. So I had a hell of a tolerance in college. I used, before I entered my sorority, I hung out with, um, with some guys that they were my dudes, you know, they were my best friends. And there was one in particular that we would have case day every year. And so that it was exactly what it sounds like. Him and I would set out to each drink a case uh, in a 24-hour period. And, um, and guess what? I did it. I think he got to maybe 22, um, but I did. I finished my case. And I felt so accomplished, you know, from being the one. I was the last one drinking. Um, for case day, it's just, it's, it's crazy. And this guy that I was drinking with was twice my, my height and weight. Um, so during this time that, that I was seeing the rewards 
of increased alcohol use by being able to tolerate more. During that time, my body's cells were reacting and adapting to that increase in alcohol. And for some people, this takes years. Um, and some people, it doesn't take very long at all. There are people who get sober um, at, the, at the age of 21. You know, there are people who get sober before they even reach legal drinking age because the trauma that they experienced was so quick uh, from their heavy um, alcohol use. So this adoption and reaction of our cells uh, can be subtle and most of the time is very subtle. But at some point, the adaption of our cells changes from adaption to destruction. So that adaption um, includes liver adaption, you know, brain adaption. These are both uh, metabolic adaptions. And I wanted to share with you I went through my paperwork and found my lab results from when I went to the Innova CATS program, the inpatient detoxification program. When I first entered the program on July 15th of 2015, this is the first time that I attempted to get sober. There's a component in the lab results that, that's called uh, GGT. And the GGT number is an indication of li liver disease. It can also be an indication of lots of other things. But for people who have heavy alcohol use, this is an indication of... Um, the condition of their of their liver and so this number is I've seen lots of different uh, um, ranges that it can fall that are considered normal I've seen from 0 to 30 and then I've seen from like 5 to 45 um, when I first entered the program in 2015 my GGT number was 757, and normal is supposed to be 30. So you can imagine that um, the physical uh, symptoms that I was experiencing were that, that a normal person would not have been able to ignore. Um, it was obvious for me when I was drinking that my liver was malfunctioning. We'll just put it like that. I could tell that there was a problem, but yet I just kept drinking. That, that was happening for a, a, several months before I actually went into detox. So when I 
I left uh, that detox program um, seven days later. And let's see. I went in my date of admission. Yeah, my date of admission was July 9th, 2015. And then I was um, allowed to leave. I mean, you can leave at any time, but um, they felt that it was okay for me to leave on July 15th. So that was six days that I stayed. And they really um, wanted to check and see if my liver numbers were going to uh, come back down, which would indicate that my liver was starting to heal. When I went into detox the second time, which is on my sobriety date, uh, my sobriety date is April 28, 2016, when I had these same lab results done, my GGT number was 48. So it went from 757 to 48, and 48 is, is still considered high, but it's clear that my liver was starting to recover from the abuse that I had um, been doing to it. So um, it's really startling. It's, it's amazing. I kept this so that I could be reminded of, of um, you know, where I was and, and where I am now. So additional adaptions to our, our cells are to our central nervous system. And this physical dependence is where our cells have altered so that they learn how to thrive in an environment where there's lots of alcohol present. So what happens when you take the alcohol away? When you've trained these body cells to adapt to living in an alcohol-rich environment, when you take that alcohol away, you become very sick. Um, and that is what these detox facilities are for, so that they can, uh, so professionals can monitor um, your condition as you come down off of alcohol. In my situation, I was on a walker for three days, and I had a danger of falling sign on my door. Um, because of the withdrawal symptoms. I even was so mentally sick that I was telling them that the reason why I couldn't walk and I was feeling that way was because of the medication that they were giving me in the detox facility. So I just, you know, um, that was the first time around. I really, I didn't get it yet, you know, but I understood the second time around uh, that, that I was sick and I needed to go through um, that experience in order to, to beat the disease of alcoholism. So, um, so once we, once we take the alcohol away, this is where the cravings live. And these cravings, 
I don't even know how to explain it to somebody who is not an alcoholic, but it's nothing like being uh, in front of a, a tin of chocolate and not being able to not pick it up. Unless you have a food addiction. I don't know how food addictions work, but I would imagine that it's very similar. Um, but it's a physical need that leads to a loss of control. Um, once all of this is happening, this is where you get into the advanced stages of of alcoholism if if the um, the alcohol is not removed from the equation um, so I'm gonna stop right there because <laughs> once we go any further um, I feel that it's it's a very uh, uncomfortable it's not uncomfortable it's just it becomes very morbid the conversation um, about what alcohol can do to your body, to your brain, to your liver, to your uh, just everything. I mean, it just is, it's poison. It is literally poison. And I never imagined that I would sit here after, you know, case the case day queen would sit on a podcast and say out loud that alcohol is poison. But I've seen the effects of it, and I've seen how it almost killed my body. Um, and so there are answers for alcoholics. And I wanted to share with you a couple resources should you have a loved one that you fear may be an alcoholic. Um, one of the important things that you can do is call the Inova Cat Center if you're located in Northern Virginia. And um, you can simply call and get a room for the person and, and see if they're willing to go in and, and detox off of alcohol. Um, there's lots of information online about Inova cats, as well as uh, the same type of treatment facilities all over the world. Inova cats is just the one that I went to. If you want to learn more about what alcohol does to the body and what alcohol does to an alcoholic, I really encourage you to read Under the Influence. A Guide to the Myths and Realities of Alcoholism. This book was really life-changing for me. Um, for me, it was one of the pivotal um, resources of my, my journey in order to understand that I'm not weak, that I have a, a disease. And in this book, chapter 8, talks about getting the alcoholic into treatment. Um, so if you are interested, it's available on Amazon. That's where I got it. 
But in the getting the alcoholic to treatment section, it starts out by, um, by saying, there's a quote from Thomas Fleming, MD, that says, I doubt if any alcoholic ever wakes up, looks out the window and says, this would be a nice day to go for rehabilitation. I think I'll call the doctor. And that's absolutely true. You know, we, uh, none of us go into um, a treatment facility or walk into sobriety meetings thinking um, in the beginning, I'm so happy to be here. You know, this is exactly where I wanted, wanted to be. This is where... I saw my life going and I'm really excited that I finally got here. You know, that's not how we enter, um, enter into treatment. But, um, but I'll tell you, seven years into it, for me, um, I couldn't be more grateful that, that I am a recovering alcoholic because I've learned how to live um, a whole lot happier, joyful, and serene than I ever did when I was drinking. So thanks for letting me uh, share here today about, uh, about alcoholism. And please feel free to reach out to me at um, rachel at recoverydailypodcast.com or you can log on to my website at recoverydailypodcast.com. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.